This is Valley Views, our weekly conversation with influential and interesting folks from around the Wet Mountain Valley. Today on Valley Views, we're visiting with Paul Glasspool, who's associated with the Rocky Mountain Kite Association based in Denver. And the topic today, of course, is kites. Paul's in town for a demonstration during the Arts Hullabaloo weekend. Uh, Paul, welcome to the program. Thank you. Glad to be here. And as we sit here recording this, it is howling outside. It is. <laughs> How much wind is too much uh, in uh, general? When you get to about 20 miles an hour, that's when it's too much. It stops being fun because you're kind of pulled off your feet and you're not able to stand still and really teach other, other people how to fly. And what would you guess the wind is right at this time? 50. <laughs> it's, it's significant. So welcome to the Wet Mountain Valley. Yes. yes. <laughs> so how long have you been a kite enthusiast and how did it start? So it was about seven years ago. About seven years ago, the wife and I went to Hawaii on vacation. And during that vacation, uh, I had a kite along, but I didn't use it until the last day. And the last day, it was around 11 o'clock or so, and we are supposed to go to lunch somewhere. And I started flying and just really enjoyed it. And I missed lunch, and I missed dinner. And then the wife came back to me a little after dinner and said, look, I bought a new ring. <laughs> so she had fun, too. So it's cost you some money here, this, uh, this hobby. Yes. Now, what is it about kites that captures people's imagination? Um, I think it's a sport that really anyone can do. You don't have to be in good shape. You don't have to be in bad shape. You just have to be able to stand still. When it gets really windy like it is outside right now, it's a lot easier to fly a kite. When it's low wind, it's kind of like riding a bike. When you ride a bike really slow, you fall down. But when you ride it fast, it's easy to go. And the wind is the same way. As the wind gets heavier, it's easier to fly. There's lots of different versions of kites. There's single line, there's dual line, there's quad lines, and then there's the huge ones that are as big as a whale. And those are inflatables that are held together with basically a dump truck is what they're tied to. And wow. it pulls the dump truck. It's a lot of pull on those things. That's amazing. Now, when I was young, uh, like back in the Jurassic, as I recall, there were two kinds of kites. There was the diamond kite that was sold for about a dime, I, I think. And then right. there was the box kite which was always hard to fly, I thought. But these days, there's tons of different kinds of kites. There's new materials, there's new designs, those sorts of things. There is, yep. So the big kite that's out right now that's been around for about 25 years, uh, and I'll explain why it's such an important kite, it's called the Revolution kite. And Revolution, it looks like two diamonds that are kind of sold together at one end. So mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a 93 inches long on the top, and that's a solid line. And then it goes down to two uh, triangles. It's kind of hard to explain, but it's four lines. Mm -hmm. And they revolutionized, hence the name, the way that kites fly. And so they're extremely maneuverable. So if you had like a billboard, and it was a, tri or a, um, a rectangle, and you had a string at each of the four corners, as you pull on the top side it goes up. As you pull on the bottom side, it goes down. Mm -hmm. And because of that, uh, it's very maneuverable, and you can put it anywhere in the sky, and you can literally go from 50 miles an hour, where the kite is flying at 50 miles an hour, to stopped in a millisecond. Hmm. Very maneuverable. Now, is that the kite of choice for most stunt kite flyers these days, would you say? Yes. 
stunt kite is more towards the dual lines. And the dual line, you just have two lines versus this is, it's also a sport kite, yes, but it's not really a stunt kite. Okay. A four line, like the Revolution kite, the, the reason that it's such a, a big deal is that you can pick up one anywhere. So you pick up one, you travel somewhere, and you use someone else's, it's exactly the same. Versus a lot of other kites, there's all sorts of adjustments you can make on them. Mm-hmm. And because of those adjustments, it's tuned to that person. Versus a Revolution kite, which is standard. It flies really well. And they just recently had, I think it was 119 Revolution kites flying at one time at wow. once. In that's sort that's of in formation? Or in doing formation, yeah. So if you do the math, I, I'm not going to do it real quick, 119 <laughs> times 4. That's, that's a lot of lines. That's a lot of lines. All it takes is a couple of those out of, out of control and it does. it'll bring down it a bunch. Yep. So the advantage of that, again, is that um, you can fly shoulder to shoulder with someone else. And so you're flying and you're putting in a certain spot and then somebody standing right next to you with the same skill set, same exact kite, can be flying next side by side. And you can do follow the leader. You can go to one little, uh, like a circle in the middle and then break out from the circle, move back. So it's, it's very maneuverable. Now the Rocky Mountain Kite Association is a, is a loose group of uh, kite enthusiasts, it as is. I understand it. Do you do those sorts of formations uh, with that group? We do. That's the majority of the people uh, want to fly the revolutions. I have, I'm guessing, I honestly don't have any idea how many kites I have, but I'm guessing I probably have 8 to 10 to 12 Mm -hmm. revolution kites. Okay. And the revolution kite, if a novice were to pick it up and try it out, how hard is it to to get decent at it? To get decent. I'm going to say that you don't crash all the time. I would say it's probably about 10 minutes. Okay. Wow. There there was a, a... boy there today and he, he was learning how to fly um and he picked it up immediately okay and he was flying within about five minutes he was moving back and forth and he wasn't wasn't crashing every time what are ideal conditions you said 20 miles an hour in terms of yeah. the wind is kind of the upper end yep i would say probably five to ten miles an hour is where we want to be the reason behind that is that going back to the revolution kite explaining that a little bit it's standardized. In other words, it uses the same rods, it uses the same skin. The skin is the actual kite. Mm -hmm. And then there's three or four different levels of the skin itself. And it has to do with how many vents are in it. So when it's really light, you have the full sail. And the full sail, when there's really light wind, is very predictable and it it does what it needs to. And then as the wind goes up, you add vents to it. So you change to a different um, skin. Okay. To the point where today I was flying one with four vents in it. And it ripped all four vents out from the 50 miles an hour. <laughs> so it was pretty strong. Was. In Denver, where you fly, mm-hmm. where are the best places to fly? Really what you want is about a half, an, half a mile all the way around with no trees and no houses. So a lot of the, the kite festivals that we go to, it's in like a ballpark. And typically ballparks have trees all around, so it's really difficult to fly kites there. So where you have here, it's a big open area. It's great for flying kites. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it's a little high on the high end of wind. This is a windy day. It is. Uh, have you been to the Wet Mountain Valley before? No. Uh, as you look at the bluff there, my, my sense is it's a nice open area. Yes. It tend, you tend to get some pretty good, pretty good winds, as, yes. as you know from today. So it might be a, a decent place to fly. It is. I, I agree 100%. I, it's great, especially down at the bluff where, the actual, where we're doing some of the flying this morning. It's... I can't even guess, maybe five miles to the mountains. Mm-hmm. So it's, yep. it's pretty much flat all the way out to the mountain. Yeah, that's right. You mentioned kite festivals. Are there a lot of 
kite festivals in the, in the states and around the world? There are. The, the one I was talking about earlier with 119 kites that were flying together, that was, I believe, in Oregon. And they have a festival, and they also have competitions. And the competitions, you, you can win prizes at that, the best kiter of the year, that kind of thing. And there's different levels or teams where you may have two people flying together in mm-hmm. formation. And how many folks might attend a kite festival, one of the bigger ones? The big ones, I would say that one, there's probably close to 1,000. Oh, and interesting enough, there's one that was in Fort Collins, Colorado, and mm-hmm. it, it is kind of slowing down a little bit, but I know at the height it had about 10,000 people that went to it. Wow. And the problem, unfortunately, <laughs> was that it got too big. I can see the problem. Yes, There's it got a lot too of kites big. kites in the air. And you, you, they didn't have enough bathrooms, and mm-hmm. you know all the security had to be in, and so it kind of mellowed down. Mm-hmm. But that was a lot of people. That was really fun because there was kites everywhere. I can imagine. Yeah. It's kind of like the Albuquerque Balloon Fest for, exactly. uh, for balloons. So Now, if you could travel anywhere, all expenses paid, anywhere in the world, to fly kites or go to a festival, does anything come to mind? Probably the one I was talking about where it's um, on the coast of Washington or Oregon in that area mm-hmm. uh, because there's uh, solid winds that come off the, the ocean. And they're very predictable. So the wind is constant because there's always wind coming off the ocean, and it's consistent, too. So when, what happens is when you get uh, high winds and low winds, it it's, makes it kind of difficult to fly. Mm-hmm. But if the wind is consistent, you know exactly which kite to put up, and you can, you can control it. Now, uh, my understanding is kites uh, originated in Asia. True. And it's in Asia that you see these giant yes. house-sized kites with the whole town trying to get them up in the air. Sure. Uh, that, that must be quite a, an it event. Is, yeah. When you, when you go to the big events, there's at least a couple people like that. And Labor Day weekend, there is one in Nebraska that's not really a large one. The town is only about 500 people in it, but it's been around for 29 years. This is the 29th year. I've gone the last five years. And, and they have the huge kites up there as well that mm-hmm. literally are as big as a whale. Also, uh, kites as art... Mm-hmm. is certainly a factor. I've been to several museum exhibitions of kites that are they're just works of art. You wouldn't want to put them in the air, I wouldn't think, yeah, yeah. Uh, because they're, they're hand-done hand and that sort of thing. Any thoughts about that? So there, there is an, actually an artist in Boulder, and he builds kites, and he started out as an artist, and he does banners and kites and everything, and he designs them. And so there's a, a large kite company in Boulder called Into the Wind. Mm-hmm. And Into the Wind sells all the kites that you could possibly want. Great, great company. And he markets his his kites through there. So he builds exactly f- flyable art like that. Mm-hmm. And I have one of his that I was going to fly today, but it was just too much wind. <laughs> I flew it last night. Mm-hmm. And last night when it was about 25 mile an hour wind and it was it was flapping its wings. Ah. So it was a, a delta kite, which means like a, like a diamond or um like a triangle, and the the wings were just crunching. And I'm like, no, I don't want to destroy <laughs> it's push, this. It's pushing it. It was. I know uh, I've uh, visited San Francisco many times because my parents lived out in Marin, and uh, San Francisco historically had two really nice kite shops with mm-hmm. everything that you could possibly want. So we decorated a room in our house with mm-hmm. kites because on a, on a price per square footage base, 
basis. Those kites are pretty inexpensive for sure. uh, for decorations. So, sure. uh, and I used to uh, fly Indian fighting kites. So the uh, about the size of a record album, kind of kind of square, pretty flat, one line, and you you give it a little slack, and it spins. You pull it. And it'll go in the direction that the that it's pointed in. So they they were pretty maneuverable. Yeah, those are great kites. Very so, maneuverable. Uh, let me, as we run out of time, let me ask about uh, uh, kites. Over the last generation, have expanded to include kite surfing, kite buggies. Have you expanded into any of those kind of things? So kite buggies, I have. A kite buggy is essentially about eight foot long and probably five feet wide. So there's three wheels on it, and you sit into it, and you're approximately in let's say two or three inches off the ground, and there's no brakes on it. You steer using your feet on the front. So the front wheel has bars on either side of it that you steer to go left and to go right, and that uses power kites. So power kites are ones without spars. Mm -hmm. Spars are the rods, and so there, it's called also a single skin. And now they've sort of progressed to the point where they have dual skins, so there's basically a front and a back to it, and there's bellows inside of it. And those bellows fill with air so it doesn't collapse as you're flying. Mm -hmm. And so you, you sit in your buggy and you're all, you have full gear on with a helmet and gloves and everything. And you have a harness around your waist that has a hook on it. And the power kite is also a four-line kite. And it has a string that goes on the top. So the, the top lines are the power lines. And that has a, that's where all the power comes in. And then you can hook that into your hook that you're wearing on your harness. And as the wind catches the kite, it pulls you. And so I've, I've done that a lot for many years. And I, ha I had two buggies, and I sold one of them, but I have one buggy now. That's, the buggy is about $2,500 for the buggy. Mm -hmm. And like I said, there's no brakes on it. And the way you slow down is to move into the wind. So you mm. kind of curve in around, so you're moving in the straight direction. Uh, sort of if you've ever done... Um, if you've ever done sailing, you kind of you never really go downwind. You're kind of tacking, and as very you, similar to windsurfing. Yeah. Exactly, and so as you turn, you turn into the wind, and that slows you down. So for me, I go out. There's a place in uh, south of Vegas, which is Prim, Nevada, and it's about 12 miles long and about three miles wide of nothing. It's, it's going to you need a big area if there are multiple people. It is uh, doing that. Yep. So in April, we there's a group of us that goes out there, probably about 50 people. And it's organized so that they have some races a little bit, but mostly it's just out to have fun. Mm -hmm. And we, I go out there for a week during that April time period. And you basically you have all your friends there, and we're all at the same skill level where you can literally fly and be moving at 30-plus miles an hour side by side with someone else because you know that they aren't going to crash mm -hmm. and cause you problems. And those kind of speeds, if you're three inches off the ground, yes. you must really feel like you're moving. It, it does. <laughs> so my record, I'm proud to say, is 50.5 miles an hour. So I have a little Garmin GPS that tells you the speed, and that's how you know. Very good. Uh, if somebody out there in Radio Land thinks, I should be flying kites, I, I've done that before, I enjoyed it, sure. what would you suggest in terms of uh, what to get and how to, how to proceed? It's kind of a tough question because it's too... Two-headed dragon on this one. <laughs> a lot of people, because they start getting into it, unfortunately, they go for a cheap kite. And cheap kites don't fly very well because they're not very well designed. But if you go to the far end and you start getting some really well-designed kites that fly really well, it's a big investment to do it. Mm -hmm. So it could be, let's say, $200 for a dual-line sport kite. Okay. The kite that I was flying today, the Revolution kite, they're about $350 a piece. Mm -hmm. The line set's about $100. And then there's 
not really many other things you need. Maybe just a kite stake in the ground so you can put it down and not have to go to the kite, go to the end of the kite and flip it over every time. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the kite to get is probably, I would say, a dual line kite is a good starter. Okay. And that has two lines on it, and you basically you can put them around your wrist or use just your fingers if it's light enough wind. And you pull on the right, and the kite goes right. You pull left, and the kite goes left. And so it's very maneuverable. But the way I always say is the, a kite's either flying or falling. So it needs wind to fly. Mm-hmm. So what happens is, is people go back and forth. They, they, they stand with their feet in cement, and they don't want to move. They think, I'm not moving. I want the kite to do all the work. You kind of fail that way because you have to be moving forward and back to kind of absorb the wind. So like I said, it's either flying or falling is the, is the key word. And so you want to keep the kite flying, so you have to sometimes be moving backwards. And when I fly, I'm never standing in one place. I'm always moving around. As the wind gets heavier, I move forward to absorb some of that wind. As the wind gets light, I move backwards to give it more wind. Right. I, I get that. Paul, thanks for stopping by and sharing your passion for kites. Absolutely. We've been visiting with Paul Glasspool from the Rocky Mountain Kite Association. We'll see you next time on Valley Views. My name's Gary. You've been listening to Valley Views on KLZR 91.7 FM. Valley Views airs Tuesdays and Thursdays at 7 a.m. and 4 p.m. and again on Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Send your ideas and comments to comments at klzr.org. Valley Views is produced by the volunteers of KLZR 91.7 FM. I'm walking on a rainbow with my feet on solid ground. 